With the pandemic that came upon us, the rise of video conferencing tools like Microsoft Teams and Zoom has led to more aspects of the sales conversation to occur virtually. And what began as a crisis reaction has evolved into the new normal. But how normal is the new normal? We're talking about how the strong shift from in-person to virtual selling has transformed B2B sales experience. Virtual sales enablement, new organizations, KPIs, everything is evolving. In the Virtual Selling Podcast, we address these issues in depth twice a week with the experts and leaders of these transformations, heads of sales, sales ops, and sales enablement of the most innovative companies in the field. This podcast is sponsored by SalesDeck.io, the new SaaS platform to make your customer meetings more engaging and better prepared. Find out how you can shorten sales cycles, convert more leads, and increase customer engagement. Virtual selling is here to stay, and so is SalesDeck.io. Hi, everybody. I'm very happy to be with Jonas Taylor. Uh, Jonas, could you present yourself? Absolutely, Gabriel. I'm pumped to be here as well. Um, so my name is Jonas Taylor, uh, and I'm calling in from Atlanta, Georgia, uh, and I'm currently the manager of Enablement Effectiveness at Lattice. And I've been doing uh, SaaS for about four years uh, and in enablement for almost three. Um, outside of work, when I'm not doing enablement, uh, you'll, you'll probably find me dancing to live music or chilling outside with a glass of wine if I'm outside or if I'm moving. Um, super happy camper. Great. Uh, and could you tell us uh, what Lattice do? Yes, absolutely. Everybody's been talking about the great resignation that came with the pandemic, but not a lot of people are talking about the great transition or the great rethink, which is this idea that people want to find meaning in their work. And we're all starting to think about work and how it fits into our lives differently versus the other way around. So companies are now trying to build culture around engagement, transparency, and development to retain people, which are the most important part of the business, but they need the technology to accomplish this. So Lattice is an all-in-one platform for connecting performance management, employee engagement, company goals, and career development all in one place. Um, I personally use Lattice every day uh, and can vouch it plays a huge role in giving me a space to share what's on my mind with my manager, as well as think strategically about my career development. That's great. And what is your background uh, before joining Lattice? Yes. Um, before Lattice, I was one of the first Atlanta employees at Algolia, uh, which is a French search and discovery company uh, where we sold an API-based platform uh, that made it really easy for developers and e-commerce teams to build and customize search on their website. And it was probably one of the coolest pieces of technology I've ever worked with. Yeah, I know Algolia. It's a great, great team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Algolia, is, Algolia is great. Have you ever been to the office? No, not yet. Oh, you should, you should go. It's uh, it's, it's a really cool spot. Um, but Algoia, we, uh, they started in Paris and, you know, we were fairly well known there in the European markets, uh, but going into the mark, going to market in the U S was a challenge. So a lot of my early career at Algoia required building out new processes, onboarding new hires and sharing best practices. It was my first crash course in enablement as a skill. However, enablement as a function is a totally different beast. Uh, we, we hired externally for uh, an enablement leader. She came in and took a chance on me with no enablement experience, but I had all of this Algolia knowledge as a foundation. And we ended up building something really beautiful at Algolia, uh, where I became the North America revenue enablement manager. So yeah, we weren't great. just doing, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was so cool. And I'm 
really grateful for it. Um, it's cool because we weren't just doing sales enablement, uh, revenue enablement. We also included teams on the customer success side. So we were really supporting customer facing teams across the entire revenue life cycle. Great. Now we will address the first subject of the, the podcast and the, of the interview. It's about enablement measurement. And could you tell us first what is enablement effectiveness? Absolutely. Great question. Uh, so Sales Enablement Collective, uh, which is a kind of enablement think tank, uh, recently came out with a report sharing that one in seven enablers don't measure the impact of their training, which is wild to me. But I get it. I've been there. Uh, in hypergrowth, you're oftentimes really short on headcount. Uh, your tech stack isn't fully mature. You don't really have any defined processes for qualifying, designing, or deploying enablement programs. So you're in this triage type of state and measuring kind of distracts you from the work that you need to get done. There's just not enough time in the day. So the short pitch on what enablement effectiveness is, is that we're kind of like an in-house ops business partner for enablement. Yeah. So we're, we're a dedicated resource to build systems. We document process and we measure impact. A really good analogy would be that enablement effectiveness is a lot like sales effectiveness. Uh, so sales effectiveness is the sales team's ability to convert pipeline into deals. Are we winning the at-bats that we get? How does that impact new annual recurring revenue? Enablement effectiveness is the enablement team's ability to convert problems or business initiatives or ask from the field into learning programs. Are we executing on these programs and quantifying impact? Did we ship the program on time? How did it impact the business? You know, and last but not least, how do we ensure that the enablement programs we run are repeatable so that we can scale with the business? That's great. Uh, it, it was really the first time I discovered uh, this type of job. So, so it, it was very interesting uh, and I like it. Uh, could you give us some example uh, of what you do uh, and uh, example of measurement actions you have taken? Absolutely. Uh, so one really cool example that comes to mind um, would be um, at Lattice, um, RevOps and I recently rolled out a tool called Scratchpad, which is a Oh, UI. You, you didn't play the right card, so maybe you, you, you could play the, the, the either. Oh, oops. Told Sorry. us about Medpeak, which you played, or Scratchpad, which one you want. Let, let's talk about, uh, we can talk about Medpeak first. Okay, and we'll do a, a scratch Scratchpad after. That, that works. Yeah, so <laughs> one of my uh, favorite programs I've ever run um, was one at Algolia where we ran a MedPick program um, where ops came to us with some data around deals stalling in a particular sales stage. So that basically means that the longer a sales opportunity stayed in that stage, the less likely we were to close one that deal. So hashtag time kills deals. And so we, we built some trainings around doing better discovery at the top of funnel and then some trainings around give and get to help with negotiation and move deals through the pipeline. And so we have this training piece. We built a lot of content and collateral. So we have the content piece, but we needed a way to measure behaviors and see whether or not reps were actually applying and performing 
the information they learned in training on calls with buyers and customers. So using our conversational intelligence software, think of like a chorus or a gong, uh, we build a scorecard initiative for managers to reinforce and score reps on their discovery and give and get abilities on calls. Two quarters later, win rates by that sales stage were better. So you could say enablement helped, but what about all the other variables and things happening in the business? Managers could have been driving better accountability, product marketing could have been building better buyer enablement content. All of these things that are happening throughout the go-to-market engine could hypothetically improve and impact win rates. So our way of owning enablement impact in this scenario was looking at Chorus data and looking at quarter over quarter, our talk time for our reps decreased on early stage calls and average questions asked per rep increased. So these are really good behavioral indicators that the discovery training stuck. And to make take it one step further, we also noticed that reps with talk time ratios on target had high and higher question rate, uh, rates were the reps with better win rates. So this is a pretty solid example of measuring enablement impact. We look at those behavioral indicators to see whether or not the training stuck. Uh, and this is really one of my favorite programs that I've ever gotten to, to work on. Yeah, that's really great. I agree with you. Um, and I agree in French. <laughs> uh, uh, could could you also tell us about Scratchpad you, you started with? Oh, absolutely. I love Scratchpad. Um, so at Lattice, um, RevOps, um, which we have, we have an awesome RevOps team, uh, and I really enjoy our, our partnership with them on the enablement side of things. RevOps, when, when I joined Lattice, they were rolling out a tool called Scratchpad which is a UI overlay for reps to access and update Salesforce data from anywhere. So the hypothesis was let's improve op hygiene. Let's improve data coverage for our MedPick fields. Um, and all of these things were potentially impacting our forecasting accuracy. So uh, RevOps bought the tool before enablement did any training. So reps were using the tool for about a month before I did like a live training session with the team. And so what I did after the training was look at adoption in February prior to my training to get a baseline. And then after the training, looked at adoption rates in March to see if there was an improvement. And after the enablement training, we saw a 64% month over month increase in weekly adoption. Okay, that's great. And I wanted to say that SalesDeck will be able to do that also, being able to update Salesforce just after the meeting with the cards that have been uh, uh, completed. Uh, and I made a mistake by creating a wrong card at the wrong time. So that's something that I have to correct. <laughs> Did you finish about Scratchpad? Maybe you, you want to show us the documents that you prepared for that? Oh, yeah, I'm happy to. So, yeah, this is actually, I think, a slide kind of on some of our adoption data. So we bought the, yeah, we bought the tool before enablement did any training and reps were using the tool, right. For about a month. So I think our contract start date was like February 1st or something like that. And then once I did the live training session with the team, I looked at adoption in February to get a baseline of what adoption rates for the tool were. And then after the training, look at adoption rates in March to see if there was an improvement. After the enablement training, we saw a 64% month-over-month increase in weekly adoption, which is mm -hmm. nuts. 
And this is important because the first thing you kind of need to do from an enablement point of view, if you want to make a case that enablement impacted forecasting accuracy, well, first we have to actually prove that uh, reps are using the tool. They're adopting Scratchpad into their daily workflow. So that that was really the first piece here. And what we ended up seeing as well is that 57% of the field's forecasting accuracy improved month over month. So to recap, our enablement intervention led to higher adoption and improved forecasting accuracy for more than one in two reps, which is really cool. But this is just one month. So we wanna see what this looks like over a larger period of time. But the one thing I see enablement truly directly influencing um, in, in any go-to-market org is how often the field uses these types of tools and it's our job to train them to get the most out of the tool. You know, why have a tool in your tech stack if only 10% of the field is using it on a weekly basis? Um, today, over 80% of the field at Lattice is using Scratchpad weekly, and we're seeing better forecasting accuracy. We're seeing better op hygiene. You know, and this is ultimately what happens when ops and enablement works together. Ops owns the systems and the processes to make it easier for sellers to sell. And enablement comes in to train sellers on doing the right things the right way. Uh, when you kind of marry those two concepts, it's really uh, an ops and enablement works together. It's really a dream come true. Great. Uh, I agree with you. And uh, <laughs> we go to the next question. Could you always me measure increase in win rates? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, for me, step one, for enablement maturity is to control the things that you can control. So these are gonna be metrics or KPIs, so key performance indicators that enablement directly influences. These are things like NPS, live session attendance, LMS course completion, content viewership, tooling adoption. These are all things that enablement can directly influence and control. If you're not already measuring those things and working with managers to drive program adoption, it's going to be really hard for enablement teams to correlate their efforts with their impact. So for me, that's step one. And then the other thing I'll say is that not all enablement programs and projects require measurement. Sometimes you're doing things to boost morale or handle just change management in a hyper growth org. That's totally fine. Uh, when you have the resources, use those to measure enablement impact from heavy hitter programs like sales methodology rollouts or onboarding. Onboarding is probably going to be your lowest hanging fruit because your capacity model can really take a hit if ramp time and external higher performance are not predictable. Great. Maybe we address the, the last subject of the interview. It's about sales training. How do you find a, a theme to address the sales training? Sorry for my English. <laughs> no, that's a, oh, I love this question. Uh, it's a really good one. So when I'm, when I'm finding a topic to address in sales or a CX training, there are three motions that come to mind. There's a top down motion, uh, a bottom up motion, and then a horizontal motion. So the top down motion comes from your executives or your, your company's priorities. So if you're using OKRs, or if you have major leadership initiatives to carry out, 
these are scenarios where enablement will want to support that change management and if possible, build a learning program. A bottom-up motion comes from the field. So ideally this comes from your frontline managers filtering the ask and needs of their teams. So we can work with the manager on identifying the problem that we're solving for. So we wanna, what we wanna do is we wanna work with the manager to identify the behaviors that we wanna see happening in the field. And then enablement's job is to build a learning program around teaching and or reinforcing those behaviors. But we really need manager input there because managers sit closer to their reps than we do. So bottom-up motion ultimately comes from the field and co-building with managers. And then the, the last motion is really my favorite one. It's, it's horizontal, meaning that there's a number of cross-functional teams that enablement regularly works with. Uh, we'll work with product marketing, we'll work with CX ops, rev ops. These are all teams that might be rolling out a new product or maybe a new process to the field. And it's essential that they have enablement support and guidance so that we can build a super sticky learner experience. We wanna basically build a program to ensure that the new process gets adopted and that sellers and or post sales people are really comfortable around the new product knowledge necessary. So we, we work really, really closely with these cross-functional teams. Um, and then themes, themes is a different topic and we can talk about that uh, another time. Um, I like to have fun with like themes for sales training. I'll usually make like really bad puns. I'll dress up as a lifeguard or a Jeopardy host and just try to have a good time. If we're not having a good time, how do we expect the reps to have a good time? Training should be fun. It should be engaging and it should solve real problems for the field. And that's why I always start with the why. So that's, that's my motto. Lead with the why. Just try to make things 1% better. Control what you can control. Measure what matters and just have, just have fun. Great. It was really a pleasure to, uh, to have this conversation with you and to test for the first time Sales Deck as a tool to help manage a podcast. And it's a tool for uh, customer meetings and customer conversation. But uh, uh, we use it to, to, to manage our interviews. And it was really a pleasure to do that with you and to test it with you. This episode of the Virtual Selling Podcast is over. Thanks for sticking around. Join us twice a week for a new episode with new stories and challenge of giants in the field. If you enjoyed today's episode, we're always listening for your feedback, share the show, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss any episode. This episode was brought to you by SalesDate.io, the virtual selling platform that increases your sales team efficiency and sales readiness, enables remote management, and vamps sales operational excellence. Book your salesdeck.io demo today to discover or you can close more deal with engaging and better uh, prepared customer meetings. You have a the demonstration just right now. Thanks a lot, Jonas. It was really a pleasure. Thank you.